When I first started playing music, I, in a way, I didn't really know where I would go and what I would do. I just knew that I didn't want to be labeled a quote unquote Christian artist. Um, but at the same time, I wanted to be able to sing as freely as I wanted about what matters most to me, which is my Father and heaven and my faith and my spirituality. I wanted to be able to sing about my life from the perspective of total honesty and truth. So what happened was I wrote what I wrote, and some people will tell me that my music is really mainstream and anybody can listen to it and throughout the years I've had plenty of people who don't belong to church communities absolutely love my music and connect with the spiritual elements of it and then other people will tell you that it's crazy full-on Christian stuff that no one else would listen to so what ended up happening was that the church didn't quite know what to do with me because I wasn't sort of quote-unquote worshipy enough for them didn't fit into that paradigm yet the mainstream also couldn't really place me anywhere because I was so open about spirituality in a country that doesn't value that very much. And in a meeting with New Zealand On Air, which is a grants and funding scheme that our government does, which is really amazing and I love what they do, they kind of used this term with me. They said, Strawn, you kind of fit in the gap between the walls. And I thought that that was such a great way of putting it. And so there was no natural place for me to do shows. I would do shows at bars in the hope that uh, people could come and just be open to spirituality and experience something beautiful. The problem was they would fill up with Christians who wouldn't buy any alcohol. And so the bar would be packed for the night, but then the guys wouldn't get make any money in any business. So that didn't work out. Um, but I, I didn't really fit the classic church mold that people expect to play on Sundays. So I ended up doing a living room tour. And that living room tour was pretty formative for me. And I ended up playing living rooms most of my musical career in the years to follow and for five years I found myself touring in what I really feel I, I, I kind of came to call the highways and the byways of the world strange places that don't quite fit in bars in Germany and living rooms in California um, churches in Africa just all kinds of places but what it really formed in me was the sense of connecting with God outside the normal realms of life and in strange places. And it, and it kind of helped me discover my own language. And I found that out there in the stranger, more unique places, people were really keen to talk about God. And that if I could just walk off the, you know, off the beaten track a little bit, I discovered that what started out to me as a problem, not fitting in anywhere, actually helped me to see an entire group of people who don't fit in anywhere and to relate to them and explore spirituality with them. And as a result, I've seen so many beautiful things flourish in other people's lives. If you were listening to the podcast last for the last episode, you'll hear that I really believe we're in a transitional season spiritually at the moment, and lots of people are coming out of a season of threshing, a, a poor in spirit season, and I really feel like God's going to start opening us up to become a people who really do engage with those at the periphery and in the highways and byways. And I wanted to spend this podcast talking around the theme of exile, which for me is something that I've, a theme that I've really come to relate to. And for each one of us, that theme could be totally different. Exile is a political thing, but we can be spiritually exiled when we feel like we don't belong anymore in the faith tradition that we belong to. We still believe in God, but we're struggling to find a church community or a way of understanding or 
maybe we feel exiled from the scriptures or from prayer or from community. We can feel exiled socially. We can feel exiled physically when we're so sick that we that we're unable to engage with the world that we in the way that we're used to. Uh, economically, we can, I think, generally just look at things and go, I don't belong. We're in a state of transition. You know, ideologies are transitioning. Global politics are transitioning. How do we maintain a sense of self in that process? And so I wanted to talk today for those who are transitioning into a new season with God or they feel something awakening in them and that doesn't quite fit in the normal paradigm, which is what I really believe that God is doing in our midst at the moment, I want to encourage you not to try and make it fit into any paradigm, but to let it be. And the way I want to do that is to share two stories with you with you from the life of David, who was a Hebrew king in the Old Testament. In fact, he was the greatest Hebrew king, really. He was one of the few who really held the tension of God's heart and kingship, which is a hard thing to do. The first king was a guy called Saul. And Saul really did things in his own strength, and he didn't honor the processes of God. He constantly took hold of it himself and and did it out of his own ways of understanding. And as a result, God said, you know what, I think I'm going to give this kingship to somebody I can trust. So he sends the prophet Samuel, the judge Samuel, out into the wilderness to some obscure family, to a, uh, a family of seven sons. And then God leads Samuel to anoint this young ruddy-looking character called David, who's a shepherd boy, and he anoints him. And in the process, God removes that same like spirit of God's blessing from Saul. It's a pretty strange story. So we come to 1 Samuel 16, and we have this story of, and it's a bizarre story. I'm not even going to, I'm not going to deny that, but I'm going to read you this piece of scripture, and we're going to skip the hard parts because we don't have enough time to get into it, but it's 1 Samuel 16, verse 14, and it's David and Saul's first engagement. So you've got king of the time who's kind of been rejected in his kingship by God, and then you've got young ruddy shepherd boy who's been anointed king. Nobody knows that he has. In fact, it's pretty dangerous that he's been anointed king, could get him killed. And we have David and Saul's first interaction, and it starts like this. Now, the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and a harmful spirit of the Lord tormented him. And Saul's servant said to him, Behold now, a harmful spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord now command your servants who are before you to seek out a man who is skillful in playing the lyre. And when the harmful spirit from God is upon you, he will play it, and you will be well. So Saul said to his servants, Provide for me a man who can play well and bring him to me. One of the young men answered, Behold, I have seen the son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who was skillful in playing, a man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, and a man of good presence. And the Lord is with him. Therefore Saul sent messages to Jesse and said, Send me David your son who is with the sheep. And Jesse took a donkey, laid him with bread and a skin of wine and a young goat, and sent them by David his son to Saul. And David came to Saul and entered his service. And Saul loved him greatly, and he became his armor-bearer. And Saul sent to Jesse, saying, Let David remain in my service, for he has found favor in my sight. And whenever the harmful spirit from God was upon Saul, David took the lyre and played it with his hand. So Saul was refreshed and was well, and the harmful spirit departed from him. 
This is a weird story. I'm not going to lie. And I'm not even going to try and address some of the really fringy elements of this. But here's what I wanted to pick up on the story. Here you have Saul, this king who's been rejected in his kingship. And David, this ruddy shepherd boy who's been anointed in secret in some sort of full-on rebellious revolutionary kind of way on his farm. And Saul, by pure miracle, ends up inviting David into the king's courts to play music for him and to heal him. Now imagine for a second that you're David. Okay, you're just this kid. And this famous prophet waltzes into your house. You're the youngest brother. You're no one. He waltzes into your house, literally pours oil on your head and said, you're going to be the next prime minister of your country. You're going to be the king, right? And you're thinking, wow, that's pretty spectacular, but how's that going to happen? And then the next minute you're getting a phone call and it's like, hey, you've been selected to come and play music for the king to heal him. Next minute you're in the king's courts and he loves you so much you're there. And I'm thinking from David's perspective, he must have been thinking this is it. I'm in the courts, I'm on the king's side, I have his favor, the Lord is with me, the rest of my life is sorted. Now I don't know if you've ever been in a place like this before, but I know I have. When I was 18 years old, I was in a band playing in front of 20,000 people in a stadium thinking to myself, this is it. God had told me when I was 12 to play music, I was 18, everything was going well, music video the lot recording in a great, like one of the top albums in New Zealand at the time, sorry, top recording studios in New Zealand at the time, having an amazing time, playing in front of 25,000 people in a stadium going, yes, this is it. I was just like David thinking, God said, and now he's doing it. I'm in this world of upward mobility. But in David's story, his very gift that took him into Saul's courts ended up putting him on the map and sending him into exile for what I think is 10, 20 years. Six months after I played in front of 25,000 people, that same band had split up, my life fell apart, and I, was, I had a huge life crisis because I hadn't handled that situation well. And in the same way, when David came into Saul's courts, it's not long before Saul is literally trying to kill David out of jealousy and insecurity. Many of us have felt that God has called us to do something or has put something on our heart, dreams that we know are transcendent. They are bigger than just a good idea. And we felt like we started down that journey and we got cut off because the very thing that God had given us, the very gift, ended up sending us into exile in some way, spiritually, physically, emotionally. And just when we thought we were living this life of upward mobility, our whole life was flipped on its head. And the next thing we find, that very place that we were finding refuge and solace in, is now killing us. It's hurting us. It's wounding us. And I sense that some of the people listening to this podcast have been in that space for a long time. And I've mentioned this before. Some of you, it's 10 years, some 20, some it's just a few months. And there's been a disorientation But what's interesting about this story with David is what happens to him in exile. And I'm not going to go through this whole story, but I want to pick up the story again. There's this really um, 
unusual story in 1 Samuel 19, and Saul's trying to kill David again, and David runs away to this town called Ramah, or Ramah. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. And there's Samuel, this prophet, right? Saul starts sending his troops there to kill David. So he sends one group of troops there to kill David, and when they get there, they see Saul, and they fall down on their face, and they start to prophesy. And then they, so they can't harm him. And then, so Saul sends another group of people to him, and then they fall on the ground and prophesy. And then another group of people, three groups, and then they fall on the ground and prophesy. And so Saul, in the end, thinks to himself, these guys aren't getting it done. I'm going to have to go on my own. So Saul ends up going there, and before he even arrives at Ramah, he's taken off his clothes, he's stripped down naked, and he's prophesying. And so here you have David hiding with this prophet, Samuel, in the wilderness. He's in exile. He's literally running for his life. And God is doing miracles time after time. God is still in his life. He's not a, he hasn't been abandoned by God, but no doubt he is wondering what on earth is going on and how this could possibly play uh, into God's plan. And I can imagine him hiding behind some building somewhere in Ramah, watching as Saul, the king who's literally sent three troops of people to kill him, the king of Israel laying naked with his clothes off, prophesying at the feet of Samuel in the middle of the town square. And I think when you fast forward 10 years, or however many years it is, look at my chronologies, I just totally made that up. And David's in the temple of Jerusalem, sorry, in the city of Jerusalem, and he's king, and the Ark of the Covenant is coming back. And he takes off his clothes and he strips down and he dances. I think David is hearkening back to this moment for two reasons. One, in David's exile, he learned to be the prophetic, singing, dancing king that he was always called to be, but that he wasn't prepared to be when he first came into Saul's court as a harpist, a lyrist in those early days. The exile took David's music to Ramah with Samuel and made it prophetic. He gave David a prophetic voice psalmic voice which we find so much of the truth of Messiah and history and love and beauty in him and the second thing is when David was king he'd already seen the previous king absolutely derobed by God when Saul came to kill David at Ramah he came with all of his armor with all of his pomp he'd sent his people he truly believed that he could outdo God and kill David in the face of the spirit of God And what was God's response? He stripped him of all of his pride, all of his pomp, all of his armor by his spirit. And you have this king naked before God. So fast forward to David's kingship and the presence of God is coming into Jerusalem. David has been in exile for decades. But the difference between David as king now and David when he came into Saul's court is that in this instance, David has seen how God treats a king who won't humble himself. And so David takes off his clothes and he dances before the ark of God and he says, Lord, may I never be like Saul. May I always humble myself before you. David came in as king in a different spirit exactly because of his exile. Now, David wasn't perfect by any stretch of the imagination. If you know David's story, you know that he mucked up. 
But when you read the story of David, when we, you see the psalm, we read the Psalms, you see a king absolutely vulnerable before God. You see a king willing to repent, willing to take ownership of his mess, willing to sing about being naked in God's justice, willing to accuse God of not being there for him and then sing about his hope in the very next breath. That David came out of exile. That David ran for his life. That David had all his dreams and hopes and his calling and the things that God had given him placed in this circumstance that was ripped away from him, not for one year, not for two years, but for decades. Only to have it given back to him in the most unusual way. And all of those years made him the singing prophet, dancing naked king that he needed to be. If you feel like you've been in exile, if you feel like in some way that very thing that you knew that God had been starting in your life, and I have no idea, that could be as big as a job or a calling or whatever, from traveling, it could be a ministry, you know, if you understand what I mean by that quotation marks, quote, quote unquote, or it could just be family, it could be the promise of relationship, it could be health, it could be all of these things, you know what these things are, these promises, these seeds that God has sown in your life. If you feel like that has died a horrific death, that you're like David, hiding in a village, desperate just to save your life, I believe God is going to use that very thing that has made you poor in spirit, that very thing that has challenged you and tested you to make you into the very person you need to be to fulfill what it is you're about to walk into. Because what is coming to us as a people, we were not ready for two years ago, five years ago, six months ago. We weren't ready for it. Our character wasn't ready. We were still seeing things in the old way, but God is doing a new thing. The theology is the same. The heart is the same. The God is the same. But us, we are different. We are transformed. We are King David re-entering the city with a completely different understanding of what the presence of God means to us, with a new hum- humility, an ability to hold that thing open-handedly and say, God, I've seen you strip me of this before, so I'm going to strip it myself and hold it loosely so that I never have to be Saul humbled, but I'm David humbling myself with this. I hold it loosely and I give it to you. Do with it what you will. And that may be our life, that may be our gifting, it may be our calling, it may be our job, it may be our relationships, it may be our health, it may be whatever. But in our exile, God has been forming us as a church, as a people, to hold things more loosely so that we can walk step by step into the future and allow him to grow and to birth in the world what he wants to grow and birth in the world and it will look like us going into the periphery again it is going to look like us being a highway and byway people so be encouraged if you're in a, in a season right now where things are in turmoil and you feel stripped and naked yet at the same time God is saying I'm calling you into this I'm giving this back to you I'm giving you this gift I'm asking you to come with me in this direction whatever that is you're not alone We are with you. You are part of a community that is experiencing this together. And know that your nakedness, whether it be emotional or physical or experiential, whether you're being led into something you're not trained for and have nothing, no experience in, your poverty of spirit, what God has taught you in this last season of exile, is everything you need for this job. And God is with you. So be blessed, be encouraged, 
if this is connecting with you and speaking to you and it's resonating with you, I'd love to hear that. It's encouraging for me. I've been getting a few emails from people recently and that's been great to hear and to connect with you and just to hear your story. So uh, I'm also pretty bad at admin and I may not email back straight away, so forgive me for that. Uh, It's definitely not one of my gifts, but I do read them and I do respond eventually. And yeah, so be blessed and I hope this uh, has spoken to you in some way.